Now, again, if this is your first time here and if you're visiting, uh, this isn't a normal Sunday. This is not a normal Sunday. If you're new to what the church is or even what Christianity is all about, this isn't a normal uh, Sunday at all. We're taking some liberty with our time to discuss what we hope to see for one another in 2016. But now for you, Collective Church, you're part of this community. I hope, 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 hope these kind of events, these kind of Sundays that aren't all, I mean, they're not happening all the time. I hope that they light a fire in your bones. Because, yes, we're going to discuss figures today and finances a bit, and some of you might geek out on that. And we're going to talk about upcoming missions and church plans this year, and some of you are going to geek out on that. But at the marrow. And at the soul and the fuel to the fire of all of this, of why we would even, why we'd even have something like New Sunday, is for the very simple truth and fact of mission. This is about mission. This is about his mission. This is about God's mission and our commission. I mean, that's really what our mission statement as a church and vision come from. Our purpose as a church is bursting from that reality. Because we are a community on the west side following Jesus and seeking to reach, teach, and equip others to do the same. We should have a mission screen slide that I want us to see. I want you guys to be able to soak this in and see this. This is our mission statement. Members of Collective Church, if you're part of this community or not, if you know this or not, this is our mission statement. This is what we believe God has given myself, the leadership, this church, you and I, if you are part of this community, as a mission statement. You see, when one becomes part of a locally expressed church, the church's mission statement to care for and to reach the people in their locality becomes part of then our own personal mission statements and convictions as well. See, our hope with something like this is that you pray this over one another. Our hope with something like this, our desire is that this is a measuring rod for our, for our witness and for our church. Am I doing this? Am I doing this? Are people doing this? See, our longing is that this is a type of mission statement that is approachable, yet at the same time always on the horizon to be seized and to keep going for. Uh, Christopher Wright, a brilliant theologian and author, um, he wrote a very thick book on mission, uh, that being God's work to reach the world, and he's got this great charge for churches. Uh, Here it is. Let me read it to you. He says, mission is not ours. Mission is God's. Certainly the mission of God is the prior reality out of which flows any mission that we get involved with. Or as it's been nicely put, it is not so much that the case that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission. See, mission was not made for collective church. Collective church was made for mission. All of this should hopefully show us that we get to see that this should add flesh and bones to what the nature of the church is. That the church and the church alone is unlike any other organization ever in the world in in humanity. Don't get me wrong, there are very special organizations out there which we love. There's great organizations. But there is only one family of God. There is only one bride of Christ. There is only one organization that goes into eternity. There is only one institution that Jesus started. 
That's why when you feel certain that God has called you to a local church, a local Jesus-proclaiming church, their mission, that mission, your commission, is part of the divine mission that has already been given. So, again, for those who are part of this community, when you read and when you hear the mission statement for Collective Church, I hope that that becomes your personal mantra or, you know, it's not just some organization's Instagram bio. Like, I hope we take it in deep and it's a conviction of ours. See, it is to be a description of what we're doing, that we really are a community, that we really are a community, that we are a family and a body brought together by God. That we're on the west side in this specific time, in this specific area, in this specific moment with specifically one another. That we're following Jesus. You're not following me. You're not following Lorenzo. You're not following leadership. You're not following some set of rules. You're not even following some church. We're following Jesus and seeking to reach. We want to reach, which means we want to love and care for and be present with and to do good works within our lives and with the people within our lives and within our neighborhoods. We want to teach. We want to teach about his truth and his gospel and the good news. And we want to equip others to do the same. So discipleship, leadership development, and so on and so forth, and some other fun things we're going to get into in just a minute or two. And if that happens, if that happens, if that happens, then the mission will grow legs and begin walking in our lives, and we will see a different West Side. If that happens, we will see a different West Side. We will see a difference. That difference being a, whole, a healthy and multiplying expression of Christ Church in each of the 23 neighborhoods that make up the West Side of Los Angeles. That's the difference. Collective Church, again, whether you know this or not, this is the vision now. This is the vision. We can go to the vision slide. This is the vision we believe God has given us as a church, to believe God has given us as a church. Our mission is the method of our vision, the how for the what. We want you guys to know this. Now hear me, it's not, I mean, look at it, it's not a world-shattering vision. I mean, it's not unheard of, it's not this hot-off-the-block vision kind of vision. To be honest, it's pretty raw. It's a pretty raw vision for our church, and it's to the point. We wanted a vision that was more clear than it was just simply creative. We want a clear vision for this church. Our desire is to see healthy, reach, taught, and equipped disciples of Christ go and multiply. Us go and multiply. To see each of the 23 neighborhoods of the West Side multiply. Well, what are they multiplying with? We want them to multiply with Christians. That make a difference. We want them to multiply with communities that make a difference. We want them to multiply with church plants that make a difference. And again, I hope you hear that. I mean, isn't that the motivation? To see a difference, to be a part of the difference? Now, please hear me very clearly. We do not think at all that um, collective church is the heroes or the spearheads. Nobody's done mission on the west side ever. Here we are. Like, we do not think that we are the heroes to the west side. Collective church is not the force awakened to Los Angeles. Far from it. We know that God has been changing 
and transforming and making a wonderful difference through incredible churches and incredible people long before we showed up and probably long before a lot of us were born. All we're simply doing is joining. We're joining. We're joining them. We're thankful for them. This is his mission. This is our commission to continue his work. To continue to press on, to make an effort. Get this, to be sober to the fact that future difference in upcoming churches depend on us now as we do on the work that has been done before us. Isn't that an incredible thought? This church plant really is the way it is because of what churches and the efforts that people, much like us, have been putting in for years and decades before us. It is now our turn to continue that work. Collective Church, our pledge in 2016 is that we, the commissioned Christians, we, the commissions, are going to dive into God's mission like the world depends on it. But hear me, this is only possible together. See, I'm not just charging, Theo, do it. We're going to watch you. You got it, Lance. Good luck, buddy. It's not something like that. This is only possible together. And it really was this in September 2014 that we began calling people to, to be a part of something bigger than themselves. See, not for them or not for us and not for myself to be a part of some Bible social club or some spiritual Elks Lodge. But once this church was announced so many months ago at Reality LA, our sending church in Los Angeles, who we love deeply and dearly, once this was announced, we began calling people to be together. We begin calling people to be together for a new work. God is doing a new thing, and God began bringing people together. See, they sent out two planting pastors, that being Pastor Lorenzo and myself, and we are co-equal on everything. But then they sent tons of you guys, tons of you, church planners and laborers as well. Why? Why did they send you? Because it's... The mission, this mission is supposed to be done, uh, done uh, unified in community. It's supposed to be done unified and within community. So the Bible is very clear that the commission we keep talking about is a community, plural, effort. Jesus said in the Bible that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly, the Lord of the harvest, to send laborers into the harvest. See, not just Casey. We're sending Casey out. No. We're sending Lorenzo out. And the we, we are better together. We are stronger together. We do this together as a church locked arms with other amazing churches on the West Side who we love. So because of that, when we began calling people together so many months ago at the start of our history to be a part of this, we found ourselves describing this new work. We found ourselves describing this new, new work with a lot of... Um, collective undertones, partnership, and locking arms, and, and unified, and again, better together, and so many, in so many ways, futile alone. Um, I'll never forget when I was a pastor at a different church, at a different time, in a different state, and looking back now, I can see that myself and we as the pastoral team of that church, um, and that church staff, were really uh, thieves in a lot of ways. We are thieves as we um, 
as we began robbing and robbed the people of their part in the mission. See, because it was God's mission, and then it was professional team, full-time staff's commission. That's what happened to us. And that was very, very wrong. See, this work that is to be done, that has been commissioned by Jesus Christ himself in the Gospel of Matthew, is an all-aboard, all-aboard kind of ride. And it was recognizing this, and it was knowing this, that we felt God wanted to call this new work Collective Church. We, trust us, we weren't like, dude, that name is cool. That was, that was not the point. That's not what we were thinking. Lorenzo and I went back and forth, and we were just thinking, what is the type of name, what is the type of name for this new work where if we said it, it was a sermon to every single one of our souls of our involvement, of our commission. See, that's why you felt it was necessary to do two main things when this church was starting in its history. And that was prepare the people for their involvement and pray with the people for God's involvement. That's what we felt we had to do. So we began praying weekly in my living room in the fall of 2014. It was like six of us. If you were there on that very first night, could I just see by show of hands if you were there? Don't be shy. My wife's shy. Now come on, raise it up, girl. Taylor. So we got, there's like four of you. Is that all I saw? You were there, Taylor. Be proud. There it is. It started small. And we just started praying and eating and talking and dreaming in my living room. And we wanted a solid 12 months, which ended up being 15 months of prayer, of desperate, desperate, desperate prayer under our belts. So we prayed our faces off and we began preparing the people for the collective work at hand. So here, I want everybody to get this. We started meeting with people, making sure they knew who we were becoming. A lot of you were sent from churches or sent from Riyadi Lay, and that's wonderful, uh, and that's great, and we were so excited about that. But we wanted to make sure that people understood what we're about, what God was making us about, managing expectations and promising nothing. The only thing, and I say this all the time, the only thing we kept hounding as a promise is in somewhere, uh, somewhere along the line, we're going to let you down. It's the only thing. We couldn't promise you a role or a position or that we're going to be an incredible church, that I'm going to have good sermons, we're going to have good music. We couldn't promise anything. And we kept hounding with everybody we met with. Kept hounding a collective mission with every person. I think we, I still try to do the math to this day. We met with 200, 250 people probably. If we met with you, I'm just curious. If we met with you, if Pastor Lorenzo and I sat down with you and talked about mission and vision, what Jesus wants to do, could I just see your hands? It's important. It's important. Not because we want you to be exposed to us. It's because we really believe. We really 100% believe in charging and empowering and equipping you to be within the church to do mission within the church, to understand the commission that God has called you, you, you and me and Lorenzo, to be a part of. This is something we still do to this day. If you're curious about this church or the nature of the church or what Jesus wants to do or whatever it is through this church, please know you can meet with us. Um, all you have to do is ask. The invitation is open as long as this church exists. We want to meet with you. We want to meet with you and sit down with you and help you process, is God calling me to this church? 
And the more we met with people, the more this little small group in my house began to grow more and more. And by May of last year, I think we were about, I think we were about 50-ish people in my house one night, and all of us were like, no more. This is ridiculous. And so by the grace of God, we moved to this little teeny church down the street. Everybody remembers, and it was really hot in there, and we couldn't figure out AC and the carpet. I don't want to get into the carpet. But anyway, it was a great little area. It was, it was fun, and it was exciting, and we were growing. And, and, and then it was by June that really everything with our history sort of changed. We became what we were calling a fully autonomous church. We didn't have big old open gatherings like this. We just became a fully autonomous church, meaning if people were committed, like collective churches where God wants me, then they could point all and direct all of their efforts to this new work. See, June, we were, we were up and running in so many ways. You could give financially up to that point. We were encouraging everybody to give to sending church, Riadilay for most of us. You could start volunteering. The one prayer group in my house multiplied to six across the west side. We started having Saturday night gatherings where we just took 16 weeks to talk about the nature of the church, our role, charging one another, encouraging one another, trying to see if the Holy Spirit can bring conviction of what we need to do, what we need to be within this church. And of course, over the summer, we broke bread and communion and worshiped together. Who was here for the summer? Just curious. You guys haven't left yet. God bless you. It was time, in my opinion, very well spent within our history. I hope it was for you as well. And see, all the while, the church still growing, not only in numbers, but also in unity. Witnessing how God was bringing people together, and he still is. God is bringing us together. I love this, because every time we sat down with somebody, out of the hundreds of people and the people that felt God was committing, it was this beautiful moment that I probably said way too much, that we had to realize that Lorenzo and I didn't call you on the phone and say, come be a part of this. There was no experiential gathering to go, is this for me? Everybody we sat down with, I had this kind of silly image of God tying this string around their heart and saying, I want you to be a part of this work. And so seeing these people come together going, I can't explain it. Other than mission, I can't explain it that God wants me to be a part of this church. Again, that's the work of God. 1 Corinthians 12, the Bible informs us of that truth. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. See, nobody is here in this church by accident. As in, you know, as nobody's in L.A. by accident. See, we're brought here with purpose. There is a place for you. There's a role for you. There's a work and a commission to be done. Friends, if collective church is your community, if you have made that determination in your heart that this is where I believe God wants me, do you know your place? Do you know your place? Or are you at least seeking to discover what it is? Or is it Sunday attendance? Friends, hear me. The Spirit of God has more for you. To use your spiritual gifts, your talents, to edify one another in this room. God has given you. God has blessed you. And God has granted you with His Spirit and be able to edify the people in this room. To use it. I charge you to seek to discover and put an end to passivity and put on participation. This is the life that God has for you. I say it uh, firmly, and, but I hope to say it gently, that church is not a spectator event. That is a sad, sad turn of events over the course of church history where church has become a spectator event. Where people can just come at a gathering 
and luxuriate as other peoples do all the work. God wants everybody involved. God wants us involved. And see, that's what we sought to know during our time as a core group to become a fully expressed church, trying to hear how is God arranging us. So through fundraising and gathering as a core group, and of course, the uncompromisable piece of prayer, 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 prayer. I did the math, and it was something awesome where I think we had between 150 to 160 or something public prayer meetings for this church plant. Again, not because we're heroes, but we were so desperate and still are. We're going to talk about some prayer stuff coming up. And then October of last year, after months and months of searching for a venue, everybody remember that? Holy smokes. Everybody remember that? My goodness. Months of searching for a venue, God opened up our little promised land here, University High School. We became chums with the principal. And October 18th, we became a fully expressed church. This isn't our forever home. We don't know on the west side where that may be, but this is our meeting space as of right now for this foreseeable future. And now God is continuing to arrange the members of this body. And we have many new faces. We're so happy that God is possibly calling you to be a part of this community, to come and join this mission and this new work. But with that are much needed details that we should know now. There's details that I want us to know now. Where are we at now? So simply, I want to invite up Pastor Lorenzo. He's going to come up. You can welcome him. He's going um, to give us basically a progress report about how we're doing and project about where we will be going. Hey, buddy. Hey, do we sit on these stools? I think you can, I can sit. but if I do, my brain will disengage because I need to be on my feet. So uh, I'm going to think I'm going to stay standing if that's okay. So as Casey said, he brought us up to speed on, on how we uh, essentially ended up launching our Sunday gatherings. And... Um, Our Sunday gatherings were important in that they represented us being a fully expressed church here on the west side. But certainly, as Casey already explained, um, we are not to view our Sunday gatherings as the definition of the church or anything like that, for that would be to nullify everything that had taken place up until that point. We had already become a community of people following Jesus. And we were a community first before we were a Sunday gathering. And so it's not the Sunday gathering that will define us. We will always be a community first before we are a gathering. We will not be a, a church community that's defined by 52 events a year. 52 weekend events a year. We will not be defined by that. We are first going to always be a community a community made possible by the gospel. As we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we come, God saves us into a community that makes us brothers and sisters, that makes us a family. Scripture calls us the body of Christ, and we will always be that, and we would seek to function in accordance with that. So here we are. We, we, we do gather on Sundays, and, and Sunday gatherings are, are important. Again, they don't sum up all that we are, but they are important. And as we gather here on Sundays, there's an opportunity for us to learn together about what it means to follow Jesus. So here on our Sunday gatherings, um, just by way of report to give you an update of how things are going and really what's transpired since October, we're averaging in attendance about 175 people uh, per Sunday. And uh, in, the, in the year and, and a bit uh, leading up to that, 
People would ask us, you know, how many do you think you're going to start with? As if that's actually what matters. Um, and it doesn't matter at all. But we had no idea what to anticipate. Yeah. The fact that we, you know, if we had 60 people, great. 60 pe- people is already more than a, a lot of churches. And that's nothing wrong with those churches necessarily. But it's just an act of God's grace. And God, we've watched God assemble people together. The most amazing people, you guys. Yeah. When people talk to us, and we've been in ministry a long time, we have a lot of people, uh, that are friends of ours that are in ministry, other pastors of other churches in this city and in others, and, when, and, and probably one of the most common questions they ask us is, what are you most excited about through this whole process? And our answer is, you guys. You guys are always what we boast on first. Uh, and God has assembled the most amazing group of people. We are so thankful for you. We are so thankful for what God has done and how each of you have, and, and those that have, have uh, committed to be a part of the collective church community, how each of you has sought God and prayed about it, and God has called you to be a part of this. And the way that we have been able to become a church community together here on the West Side to glorify God and reach the West Side. So we're amazed at, at, at our church community. We're, we're so thankful for you guys. And there are a number of you, there are actually dozens of you that are serving here on Sundays to help facilitate these Sunday gatherings. We also have people serving in other capacities throughout the week, people just randomly volunteering for various things, people opening up their homes to host neighborhood groups and things like that. But here on Sundays, we have dozens of volunteers that help to facilitate our gatherings. And that's, that's very, very important. That We're very thankful for that. Uh, Sundays isn't going to happen by itself. And really what's happening is, is people are serving one another. It's not so much, yes, for, for, uh, of course, in, in a very real way, you are serving the Lord. And that's one thing that we always want to emphasize is that you're not just facilitating a gathering. You're not just um, setting out a table or um, helping people find a seat or pouring a cup of coffee or whatever. It's not, yes, you are serving the Lord and that's, that's what it's first about. It's first about serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord, allowing our service to be an act of worship unto Jesus. That's, that's definitely what it's about. You're not serving an organization. You're not just serving an organization. But also, you know what else it means? It means that you're serving one another. You're serving one another. For those of you that are serving at our Sunday gatherings, you're serving the people as you look around this room and you see those faces. That's who you are serving. And as you look around the room and you see people's faces, you might know them, you might not know them. Some of them know Jesus. Some of them don't know Jesus. And we could care less which side of that you fall on. Everyone is welcome here and we serve you equally obviously, but by serving and participating in this, way, in this way, we serve one another and help create a welcoming and hospitable environment. Hopefully, that's the goal, right? So that people can come and to be a part of our Sunday gatherings to learn more about Jesus and what it looks like to follow him. So let me just say to those that are serving, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for your service to the Lord. You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for Casey. You're not doing it for collective church. You're doing it for Jesus and helping to create an environment here where very, on a very practical level, you are serving one another. Who is parking in our parking lots? Who is drinking out of those coffee cups? Human beings, you are serving these people. Thank you so much for the way that you serve. We are so, so thankful for you. So as we are a church that gathers, we, we gather and, and, and it, every church is really dependent upon volunteers to effectively operate, 
right? So we're, we, we gather as a church. We are dependent upon volunteers. Therefore, we need people to participate in this way. The simple math says that we need volunteers to serve at our gatherings so that we can serve people and so that we can love people. And this is part of what it means to be a church that is gathered together, that is serving one another. This is part of what it means for each of us to contribute our part and, 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 and combine our talents and our gifts and our abilities and our, and our skills and contribute together to the work of the ministry. This is how we can be a body that functions in a healthy way in serving one another in this way. With our volunteers, um, we, we, we have our volunteers. We've asked them to serve about twice a month. That's generally how it works. And um, when you serve, what you're doing is helping us to protect our values where we don't want to ask people to serve on a more regular basis than twice a month. And so for each of you that serve, you're making it easier for someone else to come here to learn about Jesus and to be a part of what's taking place. So, and because of that then, to be honest, we could use a few more volunteers. I say that all up. I say that as, as a setup to explain the importance and, and why this is so vital that we contribute together in this way. It actually makes a difference. And so we could use more volunteers. We have dozens and we're so thankful for them. But if we had a few more, it could lighten the load of, of, on a few people. It means we could protect our values where we don't have people serving more than they should be, not bearing a load that they shouldn't be, where their ministry and their service doesn't become a burden to them. So we could use more help. And so we would just implore you and call you to, to, to consider if, if Collective Church is your church community, I would ask you and I implore you to consider serving and volunteering and helping to facilitate our gatherings. And uh, there's more information on the website. There's a link you can fill out to you know, a form you can fill out, a link you can find to help, uh, help initiate that process. And we'd love to connect with you and get you plugged in and serving and joining in with, the, with amazing other people, the dozens of people that, that are so faithfully serving and expressing their commitment to the collective church community in this way. But as I said, we're not just 52 weekend events a year. It's not just about the Sunday gatherings. Also, we gather in neighborhood groups and currently, we have five neighborhood groups that meet throughout the west side. Uh, Casey, I might need your help. There's one in uh, Santa Monica. There's two in Santa Monica. There's one in Westwood, one in Rancho Park, and one in Culver City. I did it. You Imagine did really that. Really so, so we have five. We're about to launch another one in Culver City in the, probably the next month or two. And so we're, that, we're excited about that. And, and thank you so much for those that... Um, are a part of the Collective Church online community, that, and we sent out that questionnaire, that 15-second that survey to get a sense of where things are at, and, and uh, it's through that that we want to get a sense of where do our people live, and where can we start up new neighborhood groups and things like that, and if you have, if you live in a part of town that where there isn't a neighborhood group, we want to know about it, so please let us know. If you want to host a neighborhood group, we'd love to know that as well, uh, but our neighborhood groups, they meet every other week, including this week. This is a going to be an on week. They meet every other week and they're basically just a casual dinner. We gather together and we hang out and we eat a meal together and we share a meal. So everyone just brings food and we share a meal together. And we enjoy one another's company. And these are specifically designed to uh, create relational connections between people. And I hate to, you know, almost sound super, sp- or to, um, 
not sound spiritual, I guess, but when we're busy reading the Bible and studying the Bible and in prayer meetings, if, we're, if, if our calendar and the way we function as a church is so cluttered up with doing and things like that, we miss one another. And we, we, it gets in the way of us being a family. What kind of community would, it, would we be and what kind of family would we be if we didn't have opportunities to relationally connect with one another? Because that's a value we have these neighborhood groups to allow people to connect relationally with one another. They also provide missional opportunities because there's no format and no programming with these neighborhood groups and because they are on a semi-regular basis every other week, they create opportunities and they create space for people to invite others into that environment. An environment that is safe. Uh, An environment that is non-threatening where you're not going to get a Bible shoved down your throat while you're not going to get preached at. As much as we love the Bible and as much as we love preaching... Here's a space where people can come into that and find out that we're not a cult or zombies or whatever. This is how they can find out that we're normal people. And so they create missional opportunities. And we are so excited about what we see happening within our neighborhood groups and the reports we're getting back about literally neighbors coming into these neighborhood groups and hanging out. Um, We're really excited about that. So we have five neighborhood groups. There's about to be a sixth one. And this is how, uh, these are the other ways that we gather in addition to Sundays. Now, what about Bible uh, Bible study? What about learning more from God's word? What about spiritual formation? What about discipleship? What about praying together and all of that? Well, that's why we also have our discipleship groups. And our discipleship groups, they form relationally out of a neighborhood group where you can connect with a couple people. We don't believe in arranged marriages. We don't force people into these clusters, these discipleship clusters, and force people to get along and teach people about Jesus and all of that. It's not like that. They form relationally. Quite honestly, is it sometimes harder for people to find themselves in a discipleship group? Is it hard? Does it take some time to maybe build some relational bridges where we can discover who we kind of click with and maybe our life rhythms line up and our work schedules line up? That hey, maybe this would be a good idea for us to gather together outside of this context, outside of our neighborhood group, where we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, as Hebrews talks about, where we can disciple one another. Our discipleship groups, they are gospel-driven word-saturated, intentional, and highly, relation, highly relational one-anothering. What I mean by that is we take a one-another approach to discipleship where we believe that if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ and we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, God can use us as his vessels, as his ambassadors to help others to follow Jesus. This is men and women teaching one another what it means to follow Jesus. And so regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey, whether you've been saved for three months or three years or 30 years, you have something to offer somebody else to take advantage of the opportunity to spur them on to love the Lord and to live for the Lord. And so that's the approach we take. Now, that's the normative approach. That's a normative approach to discipleship here at Collective Church. This year, we intend to uh, supplement that with other things, but that's the normative approach. And so our discipleship groups are meeting um, every week, where our neighborhood groups meet every other week, our discipleship groups meet every week. They uh, are informed by a reading plan, which you guys have probably heard of every week. We talk about our reading plan. As, we, as we're reading through scripture together, they're informed by the reading plan, supplemented by the, the, the teaching on Sunday, and then we gather together in these discipleship groups to talk about what about it. As God has been speaking to your heart, as you've been spending time in scripture, and as you sat under the teaching 
on Sunday and you heard the talk and you heard about the particular passage that we're, that we're going through, how is God speaking to your heart? And what does it look like for that to play out in real life? Because we're not just about passing on information. The Bible says faith without works is dead, right? So we need to live out our faith and we need to live out the theology that we're learning. It's very important. That's what these discipleship groups are about. It's not about exchanging ideas. It's not talking about, oh, this was my favorite verse and this was my favorite part of that. I liked this. And you know, in this verse over here, you know, there's, there's various ways to interpret this. And one of the ways we can interpret that is it's not about all that. It's about looking at these things in Scripture, allowing God to speak to our hearts and with one another, working that out and processing What does it look like for me to live this out? What does obedience look like for me in light of this passage? And that's what our discipleship groups are about. And that is the normative process. Now, moving on into finances. You guys, I'm so excited to to talk about this because um, we uh, must give an account for the way that we are, are stewarding the things that you've entrusted to us. And um, so we're happy to do that uh, and, and to give an account of these things. But as we look at what the, the total of the giving of 2015, so as, it, as Casey said earlier, that's essentially from June on through the end of the year. Um, as we look at our total giving compared to our total expenses, giving was $379,000. Expenses? $257,000. Let me explain that. So the, just those two numbers comparatively there, looking at our total giving compared to our total expenses. Um, obviously, we're, from a cash perspective, we're in good shape. We're, a debt, we're, we're debt-free, so that's, that's amazing, Ooh. and that's good news, obviously. Yeah, we can do it. <laughs> and and, and, and when, we, when, we, when we look at the giving... Uh, when we started this whole thing, you know, we, we created a budget and all that kind of stuff, and, and we, we worked through that process and, and uh, with, our, with our board's help and all of that, and our initial projections for the year, the way that, the way that you guys rallied and invested in God's work on the West Side far surpassed our projections. Yes, of course, it was a conservative number that we projected initially, but we blew that out of the water, I think, before even our Sunday gatherings. Yeah. So, um, so our, uh, the way that you guys have given, so total giving, let me break this down for you. Total giving was $379,000. $163,000 of that money came directly from you guys. Thank you so much for, for your generosity. So that leaves some extra money. Where did that money come from? Um, actually, before I even get to that, let me just say this to say thank you and to sort of express to you sort of how to understand this number of $163,000 that you gave, you guys gave last year. Uh, one of our board members who has been directly or indirectly involved in over two dozen church plants, he calls and has characterized what you guys have done and the way that you guys have, have, have uh, really joined in and committed to this mission on the West Side and invested financially he described that as exceptional. And he's been involved in over two dozen church plans. So we are so thankful. Mm-hmm. We are so proud to be a part of this community with you guys. Thank you so much for giving to the Lord. Thank you for, for serving and contributing in this way. But uh, so if, if, if we've given, as a local church community, 163000 out of 379, there's a remainder $216,000 has been contributed by partner churches. These are churches 
that you, um, some of them you might have heard of, and some of them maybe you haven't heard of. But these are people, these are churches who have sought to making a, make a kingdom investment in Los Angeles, specifically on the west side. They're very familiar with what is going on here. They're very familiar with, with what God is doing, and they've each said, we want to be a part of that. So as a new church plant, it's very typical for new church plants to not be financially self-sufficient. And that's our story. We're not financially self-sufficient yet. So these churches have come alongside to help us financially so that we can be in a position where we're not unnecessarily struggling so that we can get about the work. We can get about seeking people, come, seeking people to come to know Jesus and training and equipping people and cultivating a community of, of, of people here on the west side following Jesus. So we're not fi- uh, financially self-sufficient. So these churches have partnered with us. Let me, I want, let me, I want to tell you who these churches are that have contributed so faithfully and so generously. Number one, uh, the first church is Reality LA, our sending church. Of course, that probably comes as no surprise that our sending church would would make a a contribution and an investment in this way. We are so thankful for Reality LA, for the way that they have generously um, supported us financially. Also, a church called Southeast, Southeast Christian Church. It's in Kentucky. Um, I, I don't know how many people in this room have even been to Kentucky. Two. Two people? Two people, that's it. <laughs> Just joking. But they, they have been amazing. Another church called The Hills in the Fort Worth, Dallas, Dallas-Fort Worth area, specifically Fort Worth. If they hear me say that, they'll get mad at me if I say <laughs> Dallas. So Fort Worth. The Hills Church in Fort Worth, they have been amazing. And then a little bit more locally as well, Eastside Church down in Anaheim. These are, these are four churches that have invested in the work here. And we've had um, a Bill come out from... Um, you guys remember Bill? You guys remember Bill? Group? He was amazing, right? Yeah, we all, everyone loves Bill. Uh, he was from Southeast. He came out. And, anyway, these churches are, are, are amazing, the way that they've supported us in this way. And let me just say this. We are exceedingly grateful for our partner churches. And we're so thankful for what they've done in, in supporting the work here. But as the Bible says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so while we're operating at a surplus, thanks to their support, we want to be in a position where we are able to be givers like that, right? We want to be in a position where we can, where, where the resources are there to fund the mission, where the resources are there for us to do what we do and to follow God's call as he leads us to serve people on the west side. And ultimately, we want to be in a position where we can be the givers, where we can be people that are supporting and serving churches the way these churches have supported and served us. And so we want to be able to give more to these other churches. So in speaking of that, we've committed as a church to not just be a storehouse for finances. We've committed as a church to, and we've made a commitment to, to give back of what we do bring in. Uh, we, we, we gave away um, over 10% um, has been given outside to other organizations, other churches. And, and this is why it's important for us to do these kinds of updates. Because I want to tell you guys something that you don't know and you wouldn't know unless you are in the office with Casey and I. Um, but already... Collective Church, which just started last October, we have already made investments in six other church plants. Six other church plants. We believe, you can go go ahead and clap, go for that. And it's not about the church, it's not about making Collective Church look good or anything like that. 
we believe in the mission that God has called us to be on. That's why we're even doing this, right? And in the same way, if we really believe in God's work around the world, we'll put our money where our mouth is. And the money that you worshipfully give to Jesus, we're going to put that to work for the sake of the kingdom. So we've invested in six other church plants already. Orlando, Florida, a church there. One in Brooklyn, New York. We made, uh, uh, we're supporting also uh, a church plant in London, England. You may have heard of it. It's called Reality Church of London. <laughs> so Pastor Tim Chaddock, the founding pastor of Reality LA, I worked with him for, well, actually at Reality LA, I worked with him for six years. I worked with him before that for a number of other years. Casey worked at Reality LA for a number of years as well. Um, he's recently left. Actually, he just moved to London last week and he's going to be planting Reality Church of London. And so this was an opportunity for us to see God do incredible things prayerfully in London, in England. And so we made a donation there to Reality Church of London. Also, there's a church in Paris, France. There's also a church in Lagos, Nigeria. Now, Lagos, Nigeria, it's a city you've never heard of, (laughs) but it's apparently the largest city on the continent of Africa. And we've made an investment in the church in Lagos, Nigeria, and also a church in Cape Town, South Africa. So just know that the way you worshipfully give to Jesus and invest in God's work here actually has flown out of here and flowed into God's broader work around the world, supporting church plants in Orlando, Brooklyn, London, Paris, Lagos, Nigeria, and Cape Town, South Africa. What that means is that we get to share in any resulting fruit the results uh, of these church plants. That means people that you will never meet will come to know Jesus. That means people will get saved. And you'll never hear back the totality of the fruit that results from these works in these cities. But you guys get to share in that. And God knows that. And we want you to know that as you faithfully make a contribution, as you're supporting Collective Church, or, and, and as you give generously, it's not just that we will be selfish with that and stingy with it and only you know, invest in what we're doing here, but we want to see that flow out into what God is doing ultimately around the world. And I don't know about you, but I am excited about that. That warms my heart. I hope it warms your heart in this freezing cold room. I hope that warms your heart. I am so proud of you guys. For us as a baby church to be able to talk about investing in six other church plants already, what is that? That is so amazing. That's what that is. Thank you so much for your generosity. Thanks for being a part of this with us. Now, um, as it relates to um, giving and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's the end of the year and people want to know giving statements and all that kind of stuff. We want you to know, we haven't talked about this yet, but um, you can just go to our online community and um, find your giving statement there. Just log into our online community. On the left menu, you can see a tab called Give. Click on that and then you can follow all the prompts to generate your giving statement. It will already be there automatically. You follow the prompts, generate that, print that out, and send it off to your accountant and there you go. There you have it. So for those that have been wondering about giving statements, um, you can get it on our online community. The link is on our website. But we recognize that giving is about trust. It's a big part of it, obviously. And we want to be people that are trustworthy as stewards of these things that you've entrusted to us. And so um, in part of that, that means this transparency. We want to report back what's going on. Um, but then also, um, that means we have an open book policy. 
So if you want more detail about anything I've said or if you have specific questions, we can talk about it. Uh, hopefully we can answer your question. If we need to set up a special meeting, uh, you know, where we can sit down, look at the books or whatever, we can do that. But we want you to just know that um, we consider ourselves and recognize that we are totally accountable to you guys. We also, as far as accountability goes, we, are, we have a board as well that holds us accountable. Um, our Sending Church Reality LA, formally and informally, uh, holds us accountable as well. Um, just relationally, we, we are, that's our sending church, and so we are accountable to them. But then also, they have representation on our board as well. And so um, we hope that through these accountability measures, we can be people that are trustworthy. We can be in an organization that, is, that, is, is, um, that has the privilege of, of, of stewarding these things that you've entrusted to Jesus. So our books are open. want you to be aware of that. That's the current state of things. Looking ahead to 2016, just a few things we'll rattle off real quick. We, we, we don't have this all mapped out. We don't have this all completely planned out. But looking ahead to 2016, we're going to be announcing that we will be having a formal membership in 20, 2016. We'll probably be making that announcement uh, fairly soon. And what this is, what this is about is, is really a recognition of the fact that 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which Casey already referenced, it has been very formative for us. And we've been looking at what it means to be a body of Christ and the members of the body uh, and that, that, that metaphor is used in Scripture to convey a point. So what does it mean for the members of the body to come together, to be assembled together? And if those members of the body function in a healthy manner, what, would that, what kind of impact would that have on the broader body and allow the body to function in a healthy way? And so we're going to be announcing this formal membership. And this is an opportunity for, um, for, for those that have embraced the mission and vision of Collective Church to formally express that at a very high level, to be able to say, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all on board for what's going on here. And to be honest, the membership and, and, and considering yourself a member through that process is going to be more about you guys than, than about us. It's more of an opportunity for you guys to express your commitment to what we're doing versus it is doing anything for us. But it will be helpful in the sense that we know who our core group was leading up to our launch of Sunday gatherings. And the rest of you, we don't all know. So it would be nice to know who has God placed under our care? Who are we accountable to? Who are we responsible for, spiritually speaking? So we're going to be announcing that in the, in the coming weeks. And, um, and, and this is an opportunity for us to uh, not just belong, but for, for us to be able to express our desire to participate in something. No one's going to hold a gun to your head and say, become a member. But it is a way for you to express and saying, I'm in, I'm here. Collective Church is my church community, and I am all in. And it would give us a better idea of how to move forward together as we seek to make a difference here on the West Side for Jesus. Also, with our discipleship efforts, like I talked about, what the normal, the normative, uh, the normative uh, process of discipling one another. We intend to supplement that with other things to to help us to grow spiritually and. Um, and we recognize that discipleship is really at the core of what we should be doing as a church. Being a church, and this, this statement popped into my head today when I had a meeting earlier, I was meeting with someone that was um, expressing interest in the church, and it just popped into my head. Um, being a church that is not about discipleship is like McDonald's not selling hamburgers. I guess you could, I guess you could, <laughs> I guess you could debate whether they sell hamburgers. Um, oh, they do. It's delicious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's manna from heaven. All right. We should talk later. Uh, <laughs> but you get my point, right? If we, I'll tell you what, 
If a year goes by and it's next January and Casey and I are sitting at the, in the office together and we turn and we look at each other and we're like, man, we didn't really make any disciples this year as a church. Guess what? Fail. Mm-hmm. Fail. We're not here to grow a gathering. Yeah. We're not here to pull off 52 events a year. We're not here to pull off 52 events a year and receive your money and tell you that it's going to good things. If we don't make disciples as a church community, we are completely missing the point. It's God's mission, and we've been commissioned to be on God's mission. The Great Commission says that we'll be reaching, making disciples. That's what we got to do teaching people to observe all things that he has commanded us to do. That's what it's got to be about. Now, Casey and I aren't personally responsible for everyone's discipleship experience. That's where you guys come in, which is why we take that one another approach to discipleship. We are all in this together. If everyone in this room expects me and or Casey to disciple them, you won't be discipled. We can't possibly do that. And you know what? I don't know if he'd actually be better off. No, it would. Especially if he bad. does it. Yeah, it'd be bad. So, we're in this together. We are in this together, and so we want to do more on that front. It's a new year. We're getting through the holidays here. We want to just start cooking with gas in this in this area of discipleship, yeah. having more people involved. And we are amazed at the high percentage of people that are actually in discipleship groups. When you have a church community that's X number of heads on Sundays. Not that a church is defined that way, but if we use that as a starting point, you have, you have people that come out on Sundays that identify with your church community. You expect a lesser number of people to be involved in neighborhood groups and even lesser degree, a lesser number of people to be involved in discipleship groups. That's just the way that it is. But we are so amazed the number of people that are involved in neighborhood groups and the number of people that are part of that discipleship process with one another. Also, somewhat related to discipleship, leadership development. We want to be intentional about that. We don't want to, by accident, raise up leaders, just like we don't want to, by accident, disciple people. We want to be very intentional about that, and we're going to be exploring new opportunities in 2016 about what that looks like to raise up people for ministry. So we want to be intentional in that. We'll be multifaceted um, in in our approach, but but that's what we're going to be doing in, in 2016. Of course, we're going to do other things to help supplement our spiritual growth and be a community following Jesus. We're going to have men's weekends and women's weekends and things like that coming up. More information about that, about that to follow. But here's another thing. As Casey already laid out, we have been a church that has been founded in prayer. Months and months and months, over a year of praying together to see God move. And if you guys were at, if you, for those that were there at their very first prayer meeting and then all the way through, you've seen God do amazing things. You've seen God do amazing things. And we believe in the power of prayer. And we believe in the God that we pray to. And we started out as a praying church. And our commitment is we won't stop praying. We're never going to stop praying. So we want more prayer. So in addition to what's already happening within our discipleship groups and all of that, we will be having quarterly all-church prayer meetings where we will meet on a, on a week where we're not gathering as neighborhood groups and we'll meet and we will have a night of prayer together. 
So you can expect that in 2016. Quarterly prayer meetings, the entire church gathering together so we can continue to pray that God would do an incredible work on the west side, that people would come to know Jesus, that he would lead us and that he would guide us, that he would cause us to be a blessing to the west side, that we would learn through prayer how to hear his voice, how to listen to how the way he's he's seeking to steer us and guide us and lead us as we are on his mission on the west side. And if we are going to be active on God's mission as those that are commissioned to do so, we must be praying. We must be praying, staying in tune with God as he seeks to make a difference for his mission, as he seeks to change people's lives, as he seeks to make an impact. We want to be the ones that are being used. Not in a weird way where we want to be the important ones. Just, I don't know. Here's the thing. God is at work. I want to be a part of that. You guys want to be a part of that? You want to be a part of what God does on the west side? I'm so excited about the opportunity that we have while Casey's cracking jokes next to me. No reverence at all. No respect. So more prayer. So these are some of the practical things we can expect in 2016. We don't have it all mapped out. We don't have it all planned out, but I don't want to. I don't want to have it all mapped out. I don't want to have it all planned out. I want to pray and figure it out, right? And that's not a loosey-goosey thing, but we've seen God lead in ways that's allowed us to respond to what God was doing and we want to keep it up in that same kind of a way. So that's a summary of where things are at and what's coming up. I'm looking forward to kicking it up a notch in 2016. Excited to see what God does in and through the collective church community and I'm just so thankful to be a part of this church community and I'm proud of you guys. So thanks for being a part of it. Casey has a little bit more now. He wants to share. Friends is all fired up. Love it. All right, give me five minutes to wrap this bad boy up. The Golden Globes are still like on red carpet time, so nobody freak out. We'll make it. We'll make it. I just want five minutes of your time to really wrap this up and charge you. Hopefully, I'm going to read this quote. Hopefully, uh, you can see, and I'm going to use it to hopefully do something inspiring. But essentially, it's this. That if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. See, today is a day uh, where we're longing for longing. See, we want our small church to set sail on the endless immensity of God's doing, His work, His mission. And as much as we talked about really exciting opportunities, I can't wait to come back and report and tell you when this church is launched or this church has got a core group or they're doing baptisms. We'll tell you about all that stuff in the coming months and years. We're so excited, but I hope that nothing inspires us more or gives us more longing than grace. I want us to be inspired by grace. How sweet the sound. See, if we want our church to build a ship collectively and within our lives personally, it's the grace of God that will bring us there. See, if the mission is to see the wind in our sails is the free, unending grace. Christians, what drives us to missions is wanting the very same grace that has changed you so radically to to Jumanji stampede down the streets of our neighborhood. That's what we want. That's mission. I want to see grace flood this house. Now, the concept of grace to our minds is complete gibberish. The concept of grace is just gibberish. 
Meaning we're so used to, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. We're so used to, you follow me and I'll follow you back, bro. We're so used to, this thing has a string attached to it. And in a city and in a culture that anxiously asks, what must I do to be and what must I be to get? It's God's grace that doesn't whisper, but sings loudly, nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you see, if grace could be earned, wouldn't we spend our days just wondering? If grace could be earned, we would be wondering each and every day, am I doing enough? Am I enough? Am I praying passionately enough? Am I giving enough? See, we must know grace is vehemently opposed to earning. Grace and earning cannot cohabitate. See, no one here can earn God's love or God's presence. See, if you're not a Christian and you're here today, and maybe you're curious about the Christian faith, faith, uh, please, please hear this. We're not Christians because we try really hard. We're not Christians because we have something to prove. We have a relationship with God because of grace. Grace being an unstoppable love to an undeserving people. That's what separates our faith from so many out there. Grace in a form of a man came to us. And it's not man building this way or making a path to God. It's God coming to us. Grace coming to us. And we did nothing to deserve it. You can do not a stinking thing to deserve it. So there's, 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 God is not up there going, I mean, do you hear Casey's sermon? Give him grace. You see that guy or gal writing code? Give him grace. They're doing great. There's nothing we can do. I was thinking how silly this would be. I mean, it's seriously like over Christmas, your grandma getting you jeans, and you're like, Grandma, Grambam, <laughs> thank you for these jeans for Christmas. I'm going to Venmo you back the money. Let me just Venmo you the money. Let me pay you the money for the jeans you've given me as a gift. It's foolishness. Your grandma would be like, no. Nah. You know what I'm saying? Just... <laughs> now, if I can share some scripture with you for a moment. We've already read it, but it preaches the gospel, and it says, obviously, so much sweeter and better what I could say, and it's out of the book of Ephesians. Let me just read it to you, and please be rocked by it. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desire of our body and our mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God. Are there sweeter words to be heard? But God, this great divide and this great intervention. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us. Boom! Grace. And when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Boom, shakalaka, Grace! So that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is the gift of God. See, that's my love language right there, gifts. Bring on the gifts. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Now, hopefully what was seen very clearly is that we cannot rescue ourselves. We cannot change ourselves as we talked about last week. See, works are not the goal of salvation, but they are the fruit of salvation. Or as commentator F.F. Bruce says, we are not saved by good works, but for good works. You see, grace is our motivation, but the ship must still be made. There is work to be done. There is work to be done, collective church. There is work to be done. And we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We are his masterwork. We are his magnum opus. And we are created for work, and the work we do is his. It's his mission and our commission. See, part of the reason we wanted to go through the book of Acts, hear me on this, part of the reason we want to go go through the book of Acts on our Sunday gatherings, and I promise we'll get back to there, is to remind us that it's a book written about people who acted. See, there's no book of Acts without spirit-empowered, grace-driven, everyday people like you and me going out and acting, making an effort. Now, don't get me wrong, it's hard to be part of a church. This isn't easy. If you want it simple and have it your way, Burger King style church, I'm, I'm, hear me, I don't think this is the right church for you. Please hear me, because we won't stop pushing you to live out your God-given potential and commission. We want more for you. We will not stop pushing you. See, none of this is easy, but we must make, and it takes spirit-empowered effort to be on mission. It takes effort to be disciple and to disciple. Everything we're talking about, it takes effort to give financially. It takes effort to use our gifts. It takes effort to love the unlovable neighbor. It takes effort to be vulnerable and to listen. It takes effort to be generous. My flesh doesn't want to be generous. It takes effort to be generous. It takes effort to be hospitable. So yes, grace is opposed to earning by works, but not opposed to effort for his work. Collective Church, can 2016 be the year of greater effort for greater mission for an even greater God? I don't want us to look back over the year with regrets of all that could have been done or said with that person for that moment, for that coworker. Gosh, we need to put embarrassment aside. We need to put fear aside. We need to put I'm not smart enough aside. We need to put I'm not good enough aside. And to be deliberate within all we have to do Christians, we got to get this, that we just don't just, we, you don't just work at Verizon, Kyle. You don't just work at Sony. You don't just work at Apple. But we are God's workmanship within our vocation. Please get this. Please get this. To view our role as embedded missionaries, to, have, to be here in this context trying to herald the good grace of a good God. I want to encourage you to use acrylic paint with praise, to play C-sharp minors with adoration, to mix or to direct or to produce in order to see a difference. Have any of us considered that our presence at our vocation or hanging out at our favorite coffee shop or having a burrito with friends has eternal consequences? That you were placed to make a difference, to change, or as Jesus would say, you're there to be salt and light. The only way we'll reach the west side collectively is by reaching our next door neighbor individually. The west side, uh, the west side, man. It says church's missional geography is huge. The west side is our, is our uh, geography of spiritual responsibility. 
530,000 people. 100 square miles divided in 23 neighborhoods. Again, if it was its own city, it'd be the fifth largest city in California. And God has commissioned you to be a part of making a difference. God has chosen you to reach your portion of it. Effort and good works are a shine of maturity within our lives. Nothing in the Christian life matures apart from good works that we are created for. So many of us want maturity. want to be discipled or grow spiritually. We want more out of a church. We want more out of a community. But sadly, we do not put enough spirit-empowered effort to what it takes to arrive there. See, more often than not, the last thing we want to do is usually the first thing we must do. It's from that that we will see a radical change in our lives and those around us. Friends, hear me, and I'm wrapping it up. This is a collective effort. Where some of you, hang on, where some of you may think evangelism, hmm, mission, not for me. You know, that's caring for people. That's for others to do. And I say this again gently, but very firmly with deep conviction in my heart. If you think that, you are mistaken. A true sign that grace has saved you is to then watch grace send you. Church, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that the Spirit can use you as a match to just spark revival? to be used to eternally change lives and to change yourself in the process. Do you believe this? Do you, embedded missionaries, believe you have a greater purpose? God wants us tonight to realize that anew. Pray with me.